This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guest is Mr. Joel Sheening. He's a communications director for Oregon's Environmental Council. Hey, Joel, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. Thanks for taking some time. I'm excited to interview someone from Oregon because our state is so innovative and on the forefront of recycling. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you to this place? Sure, absolutely. I had an interest in environment and sustainability issues as long as I can remember. I, my mom took me to a no nukes protest, I think, when <laughs> I was like four or something, which is maybe awesome. dating myself a little bit, but it's been lifelong for me. Professionally, I started getting closer to it during my graduate research. So I was teaching and studying in areas around sustainability and then really got connected to recycling specifically about five years ago when I was acting as the public relations manager for the Oregon Beverage Recycling Cooperative which operates Oregon's bottle deposit and return system. From there, I was elected to the board of the Association of Oregon Recyclers, which is really more where I'm speaking to you today, more so than as a, from my role at Oregon Environmental Council. So yeah, just kind of been getting closer and closer to it over the, over the years. And it's, I think, you know, I think about it as much as materials <laughs> management as recycling these days. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it is. You're right. It is materials management. What are we doing with all this stuff that, that we've used and all the packaging and all the materials? That makes perfect sense. Can you tell us about the Oregon Environmental Council? What, sure. what kind of role uh, do you do there? So director of communications. So I manage our all of our owned earned media digital and been at OEC for just about a year. OEC occupies an interesting history in this space because OEC was instrumental in the passage of the bottle bill. That was one of OEC's first first big wins and really established OEC, helped establish OEC as a as a force in, in Oregon state politics. That was back in 1971, I think? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Passed in 71, enacted in 72, I think. Awesome. The first state to, yeah. to enact a bottle bill, right? The first state to, yeah, keep one. It was, yes. Yeah. And then, you know, I think, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm here also today, really in my role with AOR. So I'm now the vice chair for the Association of Oregon Recyclers. Association of Oregon Recyclers is a statewide industry association. AOR is really interesting. They, they are an industry association, but really because recycling is, you know, spans government agencies, AOR brings together individuals, master recyclers, and people who are interested, nonprofit organizations working in the space, local, state, regional government who, you know, manage franchise contracts and set goals, along with the industry players the haulers, the MRFs, the people who are actually doing the recyclers. So it's a super interesting table to sort of work out policy dilemmas and then bring those to, to the state. So it's a great organization and I think really has a has, is influential in the state's recycling policy. And that sounds like that's an elected position. So you, you by our, ran... By our members. Oh, I see. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. By our members. Not publicly. Yeah. It's a okay. by our membership. That's excellent. Yes, elected. 
I'd love to hear about those. Are those meetings public? The board meetings? So board meetings aren't public, we're, uh, but we, we're, we're pretty welcoming. We do have a conference every year where our board members elected. And so our conference is in October. There'll be a lot of discussion there, of the Recycling Modernization Act and a lot of other current issues in state recycling policy. Oh, that's excellent. And great lead into my next question. Let's talk about the, the the Recycling Modernization Act. What's going on with that? Can you can you tell the audience what that means and what it might do to our state? Sure. I'll start with a little bit of background that I think your listeners are probably familiar with. But right, there was a massive disruption in international recycling markets. Right. We so yeah. the United States was exporting our what we thought was being recycled in our curbside bins was in fact maybe being recycled, but definitely going many, many miles away to places we, that were, you know, that we didn't have a lot of regulation over or how that was being managed. So in Oregon, part of the response to that was the creation of a, a, a really robust engagement process to figure out how we could bring some trust back to our recycling system and really make sure that we could recycle more things, recycle them better. And that's the Recycling Modernization Act. So that robust process and involved AOR, haulers, agency, a lot of different segments of the recycling industry was proposed, I think, in the 2021 session and passed. And now it's kind of in this implementation phase. So in my mind, we're in a little bit of a kind of wait and see period in that the, the Department of Environmental Quality, who's charged with setting up this new system, has been hard at work getting ready to set up new a new system for the state. And so there's going to be a few years of work yet before people are going to see changes at their curb. But what's going to happen during that time is involving the producers, involving industry, setting up the rules, determining how it all works. So from AOR's perspective, we're really excited to watch that process, to participate in that process, to help watchdog it and shepherd it a little bit and try to make sure it lives up to its promise. But I'm I'm very excited about it. I think it has a huge, huge potential to really clarify, you know, what goes in the blue bin at the curb and then making sure that what goes in there actually turns into something useful. Because right now there's just a lot of waste in the there's a lot of waste in the recycling system and that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Well said there is a lot of waste in that. That's a big issue. Will AOR have some oversight of the modernization act or is that more AOR's DEQ? Not, yeah. That's DEQ. Yeah. So I mean, there will be, you know, there's, the, there's some oversight committees being created for listeners who know Oregon government we have a lot of committees and commissions and there will be committees and commissions and aor may choose to try and get involved with those i think some of that's to be determined but we definitely have had participation in some of the early stages and we were involved in the stakeholder engagement process so we're pretty close to it and we're pretty committed to it and we'll be keeping an eye on it right for those listening, I should explain what DEQ is. It's Department of Environmental yeah. Quality. So uh, yes. they're the ones who check our cars for our smog tests and are ultimately responsible for the whole environment in Oregon. Is that correct? They monitor water quality, air quality, 
they have a they have a pretty big portfolio. Yeah. Excellent. What kinds of materials do you think will be additional to the recycle bin once this thing passes? Do you have any thoughts on that? You know, that's going to be really interesting. Hopefully, a bunch of the plastics will come back in that aren't, aren't currently in. You know, you know, some of the lids and things like that that aren't right now. The clamshells. You know, some of the film. All of that. Hopefully, a lot of that can come back. So as your listeners may know already, a lot of the challenges with that come with, you know, contamination and sorting. And if we can clean that up a little bit, the markets exist for that. So the challenge is, you know, there's a digressor here a little bit, but one of the exciting things about the Recycling Modernization Act is, right, it's an extended producer responsibility model. So part of what will come out of putting some eventual some additional responsibility on producers is a funding stream for some public education, right? Like, I don't know about like, I am in this industry and I still have to like, (laughs) yeah. Right. Like, yeah, me too. Some some of the stuff (laughs) I just don't use often enough, right. Is I don't know what to do with this battery package or, you know, like, and producers are innovating packages all the time, which is right. Your wheelhouse. And so, which is great and fascinating, but you know, sometimes our systems are new things are coming into this system faster. And I think the producer responsibility model will tie those together. So, you know, producers, if you, if you're wanting to introduce something, you got to make sure the system is ready to accept it. Right. So that we can manage it so that people aren't, you know, throwing it away when it can be recycled or, or, or contaminating the recycling stream with something that, in fact, should be waste. Yeah. Yeah. Really excellent point. Important that we think of, think it all the way through and to put the onus on the manufacturers of the material makes a lot of sense or, or not even just on the manufacturers, but also on the people that use it for to package their products that, that extended producer responsibility law I think we're the second state. Maine was first, maybe. Yeah, there's there's a good race there because I think <laughs> I think we passed ours first, but theirs goes into effect first or something oh, like that. So, uh, what a, a great competition! competition. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed Jordan from Tetra Pak. Are you familiar with them? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's been very involved with the whole process and talking about getting Tetra Pak to to be easier to recycle, more commonly recycled. And there's some really good commitments here going on with some really big companies that I think will affect some real positive change. Yeah, there's there's been huge commitments in the last few years. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, two and a half years ago was the, you know, the turtle and straw. And <laughs> right. there was, right, and there was a lot of focus on this in, in state, right? Like there was plastic bans on you know, I remember I was like 30 or 40 states had some sort of plastics legislation. Um, and we had to understandably change our focus for a little while. But I think that that focus is starting to come back. And I think people are still very concerned about about the plastics issue. So, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of commitments and opportunity out there. Even California talking about banning single use plastic altogether. Yeah. And wow, what a what a massive impact that'll have if it passes. And I'm assuming Oregon will say, "Whoa, we want to do that too," you know. And right. and then Washington will say, "Well, we yeah. did that already. We just didn't tell you," because <laughs> that's how we do <laughs> it right. in the Northwest, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
we we've already <laughs> announced it, but we didn't tell everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think companies can do to make big differences on their sustainability? You know, I think from a from a life cycle analysis, right? Like just to just to really get down to it, right? Like the biggest environmental impact of virtually everything we create is the point of production. And second to that, in a lot of cases, is the end of life, right? So like as consumers, in a lot of ways, like our impact as individuals on the life cycle of product, while while it's in our hands, is in the is in its lowest impact space right Right. so businesses i think have a huge responsibility so like if there's a business out there who can figure out how to build a business model on a product that's not planned obsolescence right a product that has a longer lifespan and then it's recyclable reusable repairable as it approaches or reaches the end of its life that's where businesses need to go right like there's not really right like reduce the the impact at the two highest points of impact, which is the beginning and the end. But that's really hard, right? Like, you know, how do you, selling, selling more things is the common model. So how do you build a model where you sell things that have longer lifespans that are durable and are consumers willing to tolerate the the cost of that? Um, I have faith in the power of multinational marketers. So I think it can be done. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it can be done and we can make recycling or reusing or repairing or refurbishing cool again and, you know, popular and financially viable somehow. Yes. Uh, yeah. They skilled people to do it. Yeah. Right. Right. Locally, yeah. domestically, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I have a customer called Kershaw Knives, Kai USA, and they that's what they're all about you know, let's send it back to us. We'll repair it for you. You don't need a new knife. Let's use this one for the rest of your life. And it's, it's a great system. They repair hundreds of knives a day to be used for many, many years as a family heirloom. So it's cool to see that product. And that's, that is really cool in Tualatin, Oregon. So anyways, very cool. So what can Oregonians do to be more sustainable with, with packaging? How can they recycle more or, or like you said, maybe repair more. Yeah. You know, I think that's, again, going back to the, to that previous point in a way I'd, I'd, I would say to a large extent, Oregonians do a great job at this, right? Like it's, yeah. uh, you know, people from, if you're not from here, it's something you get exposed to pretty quickly when, when you, when you come to Oregon, if you are from here, it's in your blood. We're good at it and we want to do it and we want to do it well. And we got mad when we found out that it wasn't being done right. Right. So to me, again, it's really like, this is why the Recycling Modernization Act is so exciting is because I think the systems are actually delivering on what we already want to be doing. Right. We're, we're, I think as a, as a community in Oregon, we're ready. And excited. Yeah. And excited, yeah. But the challenges, the, I think, the biggest challenges right now are are outside, are really very hard, right? Like, as a consumer, it's like it's it's really hard to know what goes in the bin. It's dumb. It shouldn't be that hard. So, my mind, you know, my 
I really think we need to actually, we need to take the burden off people and we need to build the systems and structures that make it, that make it intuitive because we thought it was intuitive. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at the bottom of the container and it's got the little three arrows on it. You're like, sweet. I put it in the blue bin. I'm good to go. And then somebody tells you like, oh, sorry. Like that's a number seven. That's not a number one or a test. Like people come on. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Even being able to use number seven as, as on a package is hopefully will be illegal soon. I'd like to see that happen. Uh, It should just say dump, you know, and that's okay. (laughs) Right. Right. Just just trash. Landfill. (laughs) And that's to me, that is more sustainable than putting a seven, because if you put a seven, it goes into recycle bin and then the recyclers have to, do all the work and all the effort to pull it out. And then they have to yeah. do all the effort and all the, the work to put it in the, the waste stream again. So let's do it right the first time. The, the life cycle analysis is going to be a really important part of, of teasing that out and saying like, what is worth recycling? What is okay to produce and throw away? And what should we not be producing at all? because yeah. it doesn't have an end market and it, and we shouldn't be putting it in a landfill. So I think those are big questions that, and DEQ is doing great work in this area. It's just, right. Again, the number of things that are coming into market takes them a while to catch up, but, um, but the, the, the work is there and it's going to be really informative in, in giving us some indicators in what we should be using and what we should be recycling and what we should just not, not be using as much as possible. Yeah. Well said. Thank you, Joel. How can people get a hold of you guys over there and, and be a part of the solution? At Association of Oregon Recyclers, just check out, check out our website or associationoregonrecyclers.org. Our, our board is all listed there and they can reach out to us. Our Amy Roth, our resource coordinator, does a fantastic work and fields most of those inquiries, but we're glad to engage people in this process. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir. Really appreciate your time today and hope hope this gets the word out about recycling in Oregon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your work and looking us up. Yeah, appreciate it. And thank you, Landsberg Aurora, for sponsoring this podcast. If you're listening, please be sure to subscribe and make sure that you give us a review. We appreciate it so much. All right, thanks, Joel. Bye-bye. This episode is sponsored by SpecRite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging innovation and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.